Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. episode is this nine ten oh my god that's really special <laughs> to me <laughs> to me nine is a famous anniversary welcome, welcome to everything is content. content i'm beth i'm richera and i'm anoni we're three besties who love all things pop culture so every week we get together and chat about our favorite stories that have been lighting up the timeline we're the olive in the dirty martini of content in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the new series of Vanderpump Rules. And <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about what we've been reading, what we want to read, and just books in general. Follow us on Instagram at everythingiscontentpod. Uh, we love it when you interact with us there. Send us your thoughts, feelings, hopes and dreams. So head on over and get stuck in. Girls, what have we been loving this week? <sighs> okay, well... Richera, you aren't there, which makes me really sad. But Aww. Beth and I went along with our producer, Faye, to see Stamptown at Soho Theatre. Do you know what Stamptown is? No, what is Stamptown? It's like a variety show on heat gone mad with a firework up its bum. It's oh. like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's comedy, but there's like not really any comedy. There was one stand-up set, which was Kima Bob, who I know from The Guilty Feminist. Listeners may know from The Guilty Feminist. And she obviously does other stand-up, but mm-hmm. famously... She's on the Guilty Feminist. <laughs> but she's the only person that does stand-up. Everything else is sort of like, there's dance, there's circus acts, there's henchmen, there's massive peni. Uh, question, henchmen is in buff men or henchmen is in like fairy tale henchmen the the, the, the former yes, yeah yes yeah we don't know what else they do for work no. um <laughs> there was yeah peni i love how you said that because there's multiple willies yeah in it, which you don't expect i went into it not knowing which was the correct decision yes. i knew it'd be fun because Faye has good taste but i was like oh i guess it's going to be like a sketch show what mm. also because i'm doing dry jan i had started to flag a little bit before the show and oh, i was no. a bit worried because the show starts quite late because it starts at 10 30 and i was like god i'm being really boring i was on my non-alcoholic beer i was like what if i get really tired it's on for like a couple of hours we get in there into the theater it's really warm i'm like fuck i'm gonna fall asleep the show starts and i immediately <laughs> was just like i'm awake <laughs> on every every sensory thing that could have been fired up was fired up we were like barking Screaming. like seals my i got bruised from clapping i kept like clutching anoni and like shaking her like a rag doll i was like can you believe it and she was like yeah i'm obviously watching the same thing it's so fun it's just so so fun it's so raunchy it's so out Which there. Are we expecting no i was about to say i'm not any closer to understanding what <laughs> yes this is. that's perfect because we will good. go i don't think anyone should know i think you just need to go um, okay. i think it is coming back so it's finished it's run in london it's going back to america they said that they might come back in may so if it does come to a city <gasps> yes if Let's it comes go. back to London, we're going to go. If it comes yes. to a city near you, listeners, please don't read anything about it. Obviously, like, check you're okay with, like, flashing lights and willies. Yeah. But book a ticket and thank us later. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm absolutely going. Yes, yes. Let's do it. So that's what we've been loving all week. Um, there is a second thing, which I think we've all been loving, which is, <laughs> is existential. It it's existential Elmo. How did you know? Oh, my gosh. I just had a feeling. I looked, I looked into your eyes and I just thought there's something... 
there's something something red in there. there yeah tell us what you think about elmo asking the universe or asking like the twitter universe how we're all doing i just think if there's one question to ask right now it's not that question yeah because the answer is like do you want the real answer or do you want fucking shit obviously fucking we're all terrible. doing terrible sorry has elmo ever been active on twitter before yes it's like because i've never personally on. seen elmo pop up <laughs> as much as i had ever on just being like fuck off elmo why did you even ask elmo tweeted Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? <laughs> and it has 39,000 quotes, thousands and thousands of replies. It, yeah, it's got 180 million views, which is huge. Mm. And most of the replies are people going like, not fucking well. Um, I saw somebody replied, Elmo, I'm going to be real. I'm at my fucking limit. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know is who was the person? Because obviously that has just caught a wave. Do you know yes. what I mean? I'd be interested to know who was the person that decimated that tweet. Like yeah. what account was it that made everyone respond? It's gone so viral. President Biden yeah. responding Oh, now. he did reply. He needs he? to grow up. It's really, it's, it's really cringy. I don't think politicians or like anyone remotely political should be allowed on Twitter, on I'm a celeb or any program Agreed. like that. Or tech, like Matt Hancock is all over TikTok and yeah. it's repulsive. Ew. Policies, so not viral gross. tweets. Um, yeah, so this was just excellent. Elmo, I don't trust Elmo. And I've said this before. I got a lot of heat when I said this on Twitter. I don't get that. Or Why? X. I just don't understand. I think he is so humanoid that it's eerie he's red which is the color of obviously danger so like instinctively <laughs> evolutionarily do you like I, big bird oh i love big bird he's small did you see that i saw that so around the same time that elmo was checking in on us all and we all basically trolled and abused him big bird became small for like five days <laughs> i was posting on x that something bad has happened to big bird big bird is now small and now a bird, like a spider or a bird has taken big bird to fly around the city to see it from a small what point what is of going view. on in the muppets universe <laughs> no, big the bird. sesame street universe FYI, big bird as of today is now big again <laughs> oh thank god finally some good fucking news um so people were comparing the two situations between elmo and big bird and kind of asking what's going on <laughs> have we arrived at the point in like the discourse where like, everything is so terrible that like the sesame street were like we have to inject some whimsy <laughs> Because so, like we're genuinely in the end times. I think so. And also Elmo responded today and put, wow, exclamation mark. Elmo is glad he asked. Elmo learned that it's important to ask a friend how they are doing. Elmo will check in again soon, friends. Elmo loves you. Hashtag emotional well-being. I mean, it's not super helpful, is it? It's not like no. resources or no. proper help. Somebody replied that he basically was like, wow, you guys crazy, lol. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I want to talk about something else that we've all been loving, Beth. Your book, your book's <gasps> come out. The book is out now and I'm actually really excited. Romanticize your life. I have been doing it all week, so I'm in such good mood. Did you want to give the listeners a bit of a plotted synopsis? It is a nonfiction book called Romanticize Your Life about just that. It's about everything that I've done over the last, I'd say like 15 years of my life wow. since I was like kind of a depressed teen to romanticize my life, to like snatch back some of that joy and peace and happiness uh, because romance and joy are for everyone is mm. what I've learned. I love that. that. I've got my copy. It's absolutely beautiful. And I think I'm going to read it this weekend. Yes, absolutely. What a gorgeous weekend. So this week we asked on our Instagram what you guys wanted us to talk about. Laura said that she wanted us to talk about the Taylor Swift deepfakes. If you've not seen this, AI-generated porn images of Taylor Swift appeared on X this week. Hundreds of thousands of Swifties took to the platform to flood the search term, effectively just burying the images. It prompted US senators to introduce a bill to criminalise 
those kind of pictures. The whole thing's pretty crazy. Have you seen it? I've seen it. And I mean, it's it's so unbelievable because by the time I actually, I can't remember what I was doing when it all happened, but by the time I got to Twitter X, all I was seeing was the fallout from it, like the responses. I actually missed the whole thing happening. So I had to like mm. catch up. At Jasmine Rice Girl on Twitter tweeted, Taylor Swift fans are genuinely amazing. AI porn of her goes viral and they mobilized with over 200,000 posts to protect Taylor, calling for action and getting the accounts that distributed the porn suspended. They literally accomplished stuff our legal system can't. Mm. I can imagine that well it's already been an issue hasn't it like deep fakes and yeah. AI generated porn has already been a massive issue the fact that this happens to Taylor and that is the the catalyst people actually managing to change the understanding door. It's why it's important yeah. that it has to you know have, has to happen to your fave before you go actually this is like really damaging the potential of this is horrifying it's really also really interesting like they were able to do that I feel like the power of the masses is always just in action like it's so visible when it is the stands but like we don't sort of do that outside of that in like other ways that matter I mean just the concept of it in general the fact this is being made and then the fact that we have this stand culture that's able to overturn it it's kind mm. of like we're living in this duplicitous it's is not the right word but you're right it's different it, people's impressions of the internet and how they yeah. use it basically right like you have different communities and you have one kind of community that's like I'm gonna uh disrespect humiliate women and shame them by uh, weaponizing this new technology to do that and then you have other people that are like i'm going to weaponize the way the internet works to protect my fave and make sure that i crack down on the situation it's It's so so and it's like the way that dick pics come out and like the way that like nudes of people like it's horrifying whoever it Mm. happens to but if this happens to a man like it's not derailing like i feel like it's not going to be used to humiliate men on a mass scale whereas like this is already being used to like ruin women's lives um and it, yeah it's just like the reaction like who who actually needs this protection and it will be women the thing i find quite bleak is um i don't know if you guys saw but this week cyber flashing became entrenched in a criminal offense in the uk and cyber flashing has been a thing for years there's been so many think pieces about this it's taken years for this to fully be a criminal offense and i think something like the taylor swift situation highlights how the legal system is so slow to mm. crack down on any of this like we know deep fakes exist they've existed for ages this isn't new it's just that this high profile thing has kind of triggered a backlash that has made law enforcers i guess take notice So this comes in the same week that two of the biggest female rappers in the world, Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion, have been beefing over diss tracks. It's got to the point where the cemetery where Megan's mother is buried has had to increase security because they think that her grave might be vandalised. This has been a giant story this week. Have you heard Hiss, which is uh, Megan Thee Stallion's diss track, well, alleged diss track to Nicki Minaj. In it, she makes reference to something very, very, very controversial, which is Nicki Minaj's husband was sentenced to a year of house arrest after failing to register as a sex offender in a new state. Her song talks about Megan's Law, which is a rule in the US that requires all states to have sex offenders registries, which are available to the public. Mm -hmm. In return, Nicki retaliated with her own track, Bigfoot. But for anyone who doesn't know, basically it's a reference to the fact that Megan Thee Stallion was shot by Tory Lanez in her feet. Yes. Yeah. And and the fact that she's like five foot ten, like a bigger woman. Um, her feet are also, by the way, a size seven, which is like not a big for US or I don't UK actually know they're seven. different. Yeah. I think it's just like a, a, a dig to be like, look at you, you're like a, a stallion. I don't even really get it though, because it's like, she got shot in the foot. Why does that make her foot? Because her, her foot The line is, up. I think it's the line like... Something, something big foot. You want to get up on your good foot. So I don't know whether it is like a reference to her being like physically taller and the fact that one of her or like her feet were shot at. Do you know what's interesting? In male rap songs, I'm thinking about like Skepta and like, 
well, I suppose that's more like grime and Stormzy and stuff. They always do these diss raps, which I personally love. There's something about it and you get really into it and you're like, oh, they're angry and they're fighting with each other. And it's just seen as a part of rap culture mm-hmm. and kind of like it's it's the genre, right? And they and they have these kind of lyrical, verbal sparring fights. Matches, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of part of the style of it, isn't it? Like that's kind of where rap it comes from that kind of like a rap battle whatever yeah being like so quick with it and like it's a skill it's an art yeah so it's interesting to watch adults fight mm-hmm. in this day and age because it just feels so not what the internet like not how people kind of engage with each other and they were having spats on twitter as well and they like mm-hmm. the, the the arguments were coming up i thought personally i haven't actually listened to nikki's track but megan's song is amazing and the music videos are really, really i don't think nikki's like, is great but i think megan's was really a good listen and the music video is so good she's like coming out of her snake skin it's like yeah really she's cool. obviously trying to put this together and like just that one line maybe seemed pointed about you know sex offenders Nicki Minaj's husband was like accused like actually like um sentenced like four years in prison for the rape of a woman Mm. like it's a hideous situation if you look into the Kenneth Petty situation it is vile so I think the thing that's really interesting is if we compare this right to the beginning of what we were talking about with the Swifties cracking down protecting their fave and you know utilizing their stampede of power for good what we've seen with this is Megan's mother the grave where she's buried apparently securities had to been stepped up because uh the fans have found out where she's buried and there's a threat of vandalizing her grave yeah so these are Nicki Minaj's fans always known as the barbs barbs, which are like famously quite a serious group of individuals really like known for adopting people known for like defending her even when it seems like she's done something indefensible they're really really like quite a scary group when they've kind of got this like one singular mission which is to defend Nicki Minaj you say that but people do also get in the firing line like from Swifties any of these stand groups if you get in the way of them oh my god like, yeah. people are terrified of you know crossing that line and I think it's something where we spoke about before where celebrities now are like beyond reproach mm-hmm. because they have this like literal human shield of yeah. people that are willing to come for anyone that tries to tear them yeah. down I don't think that it's like Taylor Swift has these like perfect fans and, and Nicki Minaj has these like kind of group of like rabid monsters I just think the way that Taylor Swift engages with her fans and does not encourage and would actually like say, please don't do this if they were, you know, if they did anything like they were doxing people. Whereas Nicki Minaj engages with them in a way as if to promote and encourage them. Mm -hmm. I think that is where we draw the line. Like when you know the power of a group of people, when you know that people will like literally break the law for you, that is when you as a, like a responsible famous person needs to like step in and go, no, no, this is between me and Megan. Don't, dox people don't leak the oh. gravesite of her mother that is my line because she does she's the only one on earth that has the power to stop that i feel like i think about this quite a lot with stan culture we've kind of taken it as this you know a normalized accepted part of the internet and the truth is they have a figure that they look up to they could easily you know be um shaped and encouraged and evolve mm. the way they behave by one word one mm-hmm. tap from the person that they look up to and i always wonder why figures like Harry Styles, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, Nicki Minaj, don't engage and don't encourage and don't kind of teach their Mm. fans more. Part of me thinks that, I don't know if there's a fear element of like, maybe that they'll be the the source of the backlash because then, you know, their stands will just be like, why are you telling us to do this? Actually, fuck you, I'm going to move on to X person. Or whether it's like a marketing thing and maybe they're just like, well, it works for me for now. It sells, it's so interesting because actually it does sell. I would also say like, there's like a fickleness there. Mm. Like they've mm. decided who you are and they worship that person. If you step out of line and we've seen this, I think when people do drop off, it's because they've like 
disappointed their oh. fandom in some way. But do you think they're even that engaged? I don't know if the celebrities are even that aware of like, obviously oh, they're not just encouraging it, but like would Harry Styles necessarily be like, aren't they all just off on private jets on private islands? Probably for a lot of the part they are actually. Like there has I, to be a gap. Like that's why celebrities aren't on Twitter. Yeah. I think a Dua Lipa is. She's famously just having a good time. But I think somebody like <laughs> Taylor Swift is very activated and very aware of, you know, her public presence, her online presence. I think Nicki Minaj, she's on X fucking all the time. I she think she's knows. generally on it as well. Whereas she I knows. think Minaj, yeah, I, I agree. I think Taylor, it but must be filtered. But some of the other ones where you're saying like, why don't they no, say, no, no, no. I Har- wonder if they have a distance. Thinking about this word stance as well, like how prophetic was Eminem? Because I know. The, obviously in order for him to have written that song, there was people who were that mega fans. That song gives me shivers now, especially more like in the context of what we're seeing. But the difference then was you would have these mega fans who maybe would meet at concerts or meet up on forums or yeah. like they would know each other, but they'd live in different states, they'd or write different letters. cities and they'd write letters or whatever. This connection, this immediate, like it's it's like a drug. It's so dangerous. It's actually Do you remember dangerous. when it was like One Direction fans and maybe this is like funny and harmless, but they hacked into it. I think they hacked into a, like a security camera at an airport <gasps> to watch the boys. And like, and like they were genuinely just like breaking the like federal law and like doing like incredible hacking just to watch them like sit in an airport like that's the level that people will go to it's kind of it's well it's not kind of it's so impressive and so scary and I think we always come back to this it's both impressive and very scary and I remember I had a boss at my old job he was like we should employ five Tumblr girls and then they would get the investigations we need they would crack (laughs) open the government they would get Panama Papers they would do it all the, the level of like coding and like I don't know awareness of the internet be able to like control things is oh it's is impressive it all- but also scary also just to um promote Richera's other podcast Anatomy of a Stalker in the first episode oh, you. you talk about how people use the word stalker just so casually and we talk about like stalking people on Facebook stalking people on Twitter and it's like actually you know these fans are stalking at a level which is like veering into kind of criminality or mm. often is criminality so as much as we like joke about it it's got quite sinister undertones. This is all well and good when it's to do with pop culture and it's people that are encouraging people to enjoy music or like internet beef. But if you look at someone like Lawrence Fox, who's getting more and more deranged by the day and does have quite diehard fans. And when we look at how these hive minds have so much ability to mobilize groups, to make change, to genuinely change laws, it does make me worry with the rise of like fascism and right-wing populism. What happens next if the figurehead isn't Taylor Swift, if the figurehead is someone like Lawrence Fox and they change a bill in a way that we don't want to see? Like, that's actually terrifying. Mm. Hello, I'm Beth, one of the hosts of Everything Is Content. I'm really excited to announce that my new book, Romanticize Your Life, is out now. It's a how-to guide for anyone who wants more romance, joy and main character energy in their lives. It's full of stories about dating, advice for anxious solo travellers, and tips for making each and every day a little bit brighter. You can buy it now at any good retailer. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So this week we were the luckiest girls in the world because we got to go to a screening of the brand new first episode of series 11 of Vanderpump Rules. Yes. We've spoken about Vanderpump Rules on this podcast before. Richard and I are big, big, big fans. Obsessed. Big fans. Beth is now a big fan. Mm-hmm. You loved it, even though you weren't necessarily up to date. No, as in I'd not seen a single episode. I mean, I, <laughs> I knew what had happened because of the osmosis and the power of the internet. So I was t- I was like relaying to Ruchira what I knew and it was a lot. But I had not seen a single second of Vanderpump Rules until last night. So this is the series that follows on from Scandal, which we did speak about before. Um, and if you didn't know, it was a huge story where there's this couple in the cast that have been together for 10, 11 years and one of them has an affair with their mutual best friend. Yeah, I mean, I should probably tell it because I obviously understand it the best. <laughs> um, it's a show of basically everyone's called Tom, two main Toms. <laughs> yes. There's Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandalval. <laughs> And Tom Sandoval is like a kind of bar owner slash circus performer who I think had an affair. He was married to a gorgeous woman called Ariana and had an affair with like a friend of the group, friend of his wife's and his wife. Friend of his ex wife. Long, 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 long time married. Girlfriend. Oh, well, no. married in a, you know, civil it, sense. Yeah. <laughs> married by time. Yes. And basically Perfect. just fucked the whole friend group up. Is that correct? That's that right. Is. And it kind of brought the show back from the brink because there were talks apparently before this, they were thinking, I think, about acts in the season. And Lisa Vanderpump, who is the matriarch of the show and kind of the main character or was the main character in role. Housewives of Beverly Hills is obviously just rubbing her hands together like a little praying mantis with Please. its joy. <laughs> she's living for this drama quite literally. Like she's, she's savvy. She and also know. like it's it, there's like two layers to this. Not only is she you know the exec producer of this show she literally is their boss. The whole thing is um, following one of her restaurant slash bars sir, and all the workers. So they're her literal employees. So when she's like holding their hands and she you know is like I really care about you. It is just like Ladies and gentlemen, your employer does not care about it's you. It's giving labour violations. If you look at other reality TV shows of a similar ilk, I'm thinking Selling Sunset or something. They, The way they dress and the way they portray themselves, it looks like they are making serious money. Mm-hmm. Like those women can dress. They are head to toe in designer gear. On Van the Pump Rules, these people have been on the show since I'd started watching it. So I think like it's 10 years over ago, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And some of them have apartments. Some of them have just started buying stuff. But like in this episode, they talk about how she's just got a bag from Amazon. And nothing wrong with that, by the way, apart from obviously don't shop from Amazon. But it's like a general thing. There's nothing wrong. It's interesting in that they don't come across to me. And I'm not saying this is a judgment. I'm like, it's just interesting how much of their lives they're giving over to the show. When it doesn't seem like it's giving them riches. I'm so glad you said this because I was obviously never seen this before. And I was watching and like they've got visible microwaves in their apartment. And I was like... (laughs) Watching Selling Sunset where like it's the rich to the rich, it's it's enormous wealth, it's such showy wealth. I was like, these people are putting together their own furniture. Like what kind of destitution is this? And obviously they're, they're, that's probably cost a lot of money. Like the real estate, I think they're in LA. Is that, are they in LA? 
They're in West Hollywood. They're in, they're in WeHo. That's probably <laughs> a huge amount of money for these places, but they look normal. Like one of the guys' apartments didn't look like it even been hoovered. No. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I don't own any property, and <laughs> nor do I have anyone in my account that would suggest I'm going to anytime soon. But I'm not selling my soul to be on the show. And like all of their fake channels, Patchy, I don't want to make it personal, but these women do not, and the men do not look like they're earning big bucks. And I just want to understand. Mm. Are they too tied into this reality TV show that no one else will have them? They can't like progress into a different career. It's one of the only shows that's had staying power where the, even though there have been characters that left, most of the cast has stayed the same. Yes. Like, it's just a lot of cast retention. Yeah, for them not to be making money. Yeah. They're obviously making more money than me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're broke. I'm just saying they're broke for how much of their lives <laughs> they're sharing. You know what's really interesting? Um, I feel like, how some people are football fans and they listen to like all the behind the match stuff. I listen to all of their individual podcasts. Um, so I feel like I've got the surround system version of Vanderpump Rules. But anyway, they were saying that Scandival was the gift that keeps on giving for all of them because then they started, you know, making podcasts about it and all of them started banking dough from the situation because they'd have this person's point of view, this person's point of view. They'd interview each other and be like, oh, it's two person's point of view of this and like the behind the scenes of it all. And they were just like, reaping money from somebody having an affair when it wasn't even their affair and also this season i think is going to be really interesting because uh one of the taglines that they feature i think it's in the trailer but it was also in the episode that we watched on wednesday night is lala who is one of the the main people saying i've never seen anyone get cheated on and mm. then come out and think they're god and so why this series i think is going to be a real bang for its buck is because it's going to kind of be the downfall of Ariana. Ariana, who was the scorned woman that got cheated on, has had brand deal after brand deal. She has been on every single TV show in the US. She became the people's princess. She's, She's on, on the cover Broadway? of magazines. She's on Broadway. She got everything. And like we spoke about last week, the old hubris and Hamasha, mm -hmm. not that she's done anything wrong, but she, we're about to see a queen toppled off her throne. Yeah, because it's awful what happened. She had to like play out her trauma on the last season. Like I've seen the clips of it, which they showed in the episode we watched so of like, she's screaming at him. She's crying. She's breaking down. She's seeing, you know, her relationship of a decade or whatever falls pieces on like a public stage. She's been through a lot, but I think the people around her are going, okay, but at what point do we move on? At what point, like, can we interact with him again? Yeah, you're completely right. It's going to be yeah. a little bit of a top line. And again, I don't think she deserves any of that. I'm just saying, this is what I'm saying. The trade-off is so bad. I literally see them almost as performance for my own entertainment. And these are real people. Like, God, it must be a weird world to Which is in. why we're hoping that they are making, like, many, many figures, because it's a lot to give. One thing that I am really excited about is they kind of tease this in the trailer. Um... Katie gets with a girl mm. and there's the potential opening of a bisexual storyline, which I'm really here for if that happens. The person in question, yeah. gets, Katie also gets with her ex. Tom. She was like, I never thought I'd get with a couple. That was such a bad accent. So if you're listening to this chat and you really want to watch Vanderpump Rules, you can catch it on Hey You. Series 11 is now out. It's available. New episodes dropping every Wednesday. Please binge it and let us know what you think. I really need to find more fans. And if I would recommend starting from maybe season nine. No, no, no one. No, one. no one. from one. But if you don't have time and you want to still get to Sandoval. Make no. time. Skip, quit your job. Okay. Watch it with me. <laughs> Make time if you want to. Yeah, fair enough. I Start need to know all one. their origin yeah. stories. You do, you do, you do. So gals, in the first episode that we did in 2024, 
We all set some reading goals. We talked about what we read last year, how we read last year and how we wanted to read this year. Now January's finished. I want to check in with you guys and see how those reading goals are going. Some accountability. Yes, yes. exactly. Ruchera, how is yours going? Mine is going okay. I've read two books, which I think I think is pretty good going. What was your reading goal? Was it to read more books or was it yes. to read? Okay. Yes. So I wanted to read more. I hadn't put a figure on it, but I wanted to read more. The ones that I got through are The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Oh, huge. Yes. Well known, well loved. And Helen Oyeyemi, Parasol Against the Axe, which is a new book coming out soon. I interviewed her, which is why I got early access. Oh, jealous. Because Helen Oyeyemi two books which I read I mean years and years ago which I loved kind of spooky kind of like like nothing I'd ever read before I've never mm. read her could you tell me about her this book specifically is set in Prague there's three characters they're all friends they're kind of re- reuniting in Prague but it's almost as if once you start one story to do with them it bleeds into other stories about the city it becomes like weaving stories short stories and it's just like a love letter to Prague oh, wow yeah that sounds amazing could I just ask you I've never read any Donna Tart. What? And I know that everyone's That's reading That's so out of character minute. for you. I feel like Sorry. you are Donna Tart. Can audience. you just give me a quick synopsis of the book you read and should that be the one that I read? So um, this is the first one that I think people say over the Goldfinch. I don't know why, but it's really big. It, you know, follows a group of um, history students at this very prestigious, very, you know, old time college, very Saltburn vibes for America. Um, it's kind of the main character is interloper vibes, middle class guy breaking into this very upper echelon type of group with a very illustrious um, teacher, Julian, who teaches them. And I don't think this is I don't think this is ruining the plot, but there's a murder involved in the group. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is tracking how it happened, what happened and the cover up between them all. Oh, my God. That's such a good synopsis. It is probably my favorite book of all time. Really? It is excellent. But why I is Donna Tartt having such a resurgence? Because I, I feel like... Donna Tartt's only written these three books. She sort of writes a book, Vanishes of 10 Years. I think she was sort of like a wonderkind in that she wrote maybe the particular history at like age 28. Incredible 28? writer. Oh, I know nothing about her beyond her genius. But how old is this book? It's quite old. I remember somebody suggested it to me when I was 17 or 18. Is there something happening right now where everyone's talking about Joan Didion, everyone's talking about Donna Tartt? Do you think it is? It's just a resurgence of like this yes. very chic woman. Everyone wants the mystique back. TikTok. The smoking, the ballet flats. Yeah. I think with this, Dark Academia was like the massive push yeah. for why it came back, um, which was a trend and aesthetic and aesthetic as we've spoken about. It's fucking long as well. Okay, I'm going to put it on my to be red pile because I'm trying to do that thing of read something current, read something classic or old um just sorry sorry to ruin it I feel like I didn't love it so let's talk let's talk when you've read it okay that's fun I'm excited to read it and we can all discuss what have you been reading Anoni so I was meant to be reading one book a week which starts off really well and then I decided to read this book which was recommended to me by my live-in lover and um (laughs) it's called The Feast of the Goat by Mario Vargas Llosa I hope I'm saying that right and it's basically about the assassination of the Dominican dictator so it's quite a heavy book it's much longer the font is very small and the books that I'd read before that I read The List by Yomi Adegake and Mm. I read Isaac and the Egg by Bobby Palmer so those two were great but they were much shorter and the font was much larger and they were much more easily digestible I have almost finished this book I have loved it it's really challenged me in a way I forgot that books can not only because, I mean, it's translated. Our translators, we need to talk about how mm, incredible how they, they are. Do that? How Crazy, do they do it? Because yeah. it's like so complicatedly written, which doesn't sound like a word. 
I've really enjoyed it. It's challenged me, but annoyingly, it's scuppered up my one a week. Plan. So you, have you finished this one now? I've literally just about to finish it. And then what I'm going to do to make up time is read a couple of short ones. And then because I did <laughs> buy War and Peace after our... Oh, <laughs> oh my God, influence. We showed that in the first, in the first episode, didn't we? I have it here. Have I shown you guys? It's gorgeous. I mean, it's a gorgeous copy of it, but like, well, is that spine cracked? Oh my God, it's minuscule. The text is minuscule. And it's so... It's over a thousand pages long. Watch the BBC series so fast but I do want to read it and I feel like it'd be quite a cool thing to do mm, I think that's cool Beth what have you been reading oh, do you know what I did start reading I started reading Poor Things after <gasps> our like oh brilliant trip to the um the cinema to watch it and our episode on it we loved it so much I just thought I want to stay in this world I want to see like I love that. Um, so I'm about nine pages in but I am really really enjoying it <laughs> what a great idea I wish I thought yeah. that I'm going to do that can I borrow so your copy it's on my Kindle yeah because oh. I couldn't actually find a copy because obviously everyone, everyone had the same idea oh. that I did um, and I'm really enjoying it so far I've got that on the go I read multiple books at once do you I have an audiobook on the go yeah, as well. I have an audiobook I have maybe like three or four books and then maybe one on my kindle so I've got that on the go and then when I don't want to read that I've been reading the new Kylie Reed book which is called Come and Get It she wrote the amazing Such a Fun Age which came out 2018-ish or maybe later was it Maybe it was just set around that time. I don't remember. I, I only read it for a couple of years ago. All I know is I read it when I was living in Streatham. So I think it would have been 2019, 2020. Is it the one about the girl who's like a babysitter? A babysitter yes. who is accused of kidnapping. Race, and it's about, exactly, yeah. yeah. So I'm reading the new um, Kylie Reid book. What's um, the new one about? Tell us. So, so far, I think it's about like a resident in a university who gets this kind of confusing, but like looks quite an easy job with like a professor or someone. Mm-hmm. And then it's... Maybe it's like a little bit, um, it goes to like a dark place is what I'm getting so far. Does it feel thematically similar? It does. It feels like in the first couple of pages, like this white woman goes into a room and like notes how many black people. And I was like, okay, I feel Kylie Reid is very good on like the like subtleties and like the microaggressions that like are just present in day-to-day American life. When mm. you said Kylie Reid, my brain went Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is a very yes. different <laughs> Thing, who who is the person that wrote like Carrie Soto's back Daisy Jones and the Six mm-hmm. the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo ah. I find her as an author so fascinating because she'd written a few books and then Daisy Jones and the Six did really well and that the theme of Daisy Jones and the Six is basically like it's an interview and then all of the books she wrote after that take the same exactly the same form oh really so they're all like it's kind of like a journalist or someone interviewing someone and they're all just a hit success I don't know how she's do that. found her formula like Colleen Hoover every time it's just like yeah it's, better it's, or worse. it's honestly a formula but they're all completely different stories I yeah. think the seven I like husbands, her I love lot. them but I can't believe that her brain works like that I know to, to have some of what she's got I mean if she's got a new book coming out I would be really I would be excited I don't it. think she does because I did ask on Instagram a while ago like what books are we excited for mm-hmm. and it got me really excited for stuff that's coming out like um, tell us tell us a main one and I'm excited for this too is Private Rights by Julia Armfield who wrote Our Wives Under the Sea loved it loved it such a good like kind of spooky ethereal lesbian love story about the deep deep ocean mm. loved that we also have Revolutionary Acts by Jason Okendaya which is out in March yes. which is a kind of social history of um, black gay men in the UK he's sort of in conversation with them it looks like it's going to be excellent. He's such a good writer and amazing mind. Can't wait for that. I'm very excited for Blue Sisters by Coco Malice, who wrote Cleopatra and Frankenstein, which was one of my most favourite stories that I read last year. Actually. Same thing. Uh, that was her debut novel as well. And it just blew up. I found that pretty inspiring. That's what I don't want to write one because like, I want it to be that good or I won't, I won't do it. Have you got any on your pre-order list for Chira? 
Um, so it's not a new book that's coming out, but I read Boy Parts by Eliza Clark last year. Loved it so much that I really wanted to read Penance next. Oh, yes. And like the whole thing of true crime and, you know, girls and like Tumblr culture, I think is the vibes I'm getting from it. Oh, it's tick, tick, tick for me. Love was that. Penance the, what, before Boy Parts? Was after. After, yes. After. I, lo- I, I did a book club on Boy Parts. I loved it. Yes. I've never read anything like that. Are they making it into a film? If I just they they did. As a play. Theatre, they did um, oh. a run of it. <gasps> um, if you like... Uh, boy parts you have to read I'm a fan Sheena Patel oh uh, yes I've also read that because I was going to say very similar vibe of you know POV of unhinged woman but also so compelling I loved that book I probably my favorite that was my favorite I loved it but it was so some of it I found almost triggering because it mm. felt really close to the bone not only because it was like so focused on social media but mm. also her obviously I'm nowhere near as neurotic it's, mm-hmm. it's the character because <laughs> it's pretty extreme but it was quite like stressful and it also reads almost like watching a tiktok do you know what i mean it's just like scene after scene it's like a headache i felt i got that from emma klein's the guest almost don't know if you read that which is sort of a a young woman really young woman's descent into this sort of obsessive madness on this like sort of weekend and i think it's like the hamptons or somewhere it had a similar vibe very different settings but like this urgency this compulsion this like spiral downwards Mm, i'm gonna add that to my list add that to list that was that came out last year it was really good So in February, I want us all to read a book together. I want us to decide a book maybe in the next week or so. All of us read it, like us three here, listeners, and then we can discuss it in March. I just think it'd be a really fun Mm, idea. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. so I think we'll do a little question box on our Instagram at everythingiscontentpod. Send in your suggestions, DM us, put it in the question box, what you're reading, what you are looking to read, and we're going to pick one and we're all going to read it together. Yes. (gasps) Book club project. As always, we will put links to absolutely everything that we have discussed in the description of this podcast. All of those book titles will be in the show notes. We're back this time next week. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe and leave us a review if you enjoy the podcast. And follow us on Instagram if you haven't already. We're at everythingiscontentpod. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.